Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, a show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. It's been a great week this week. Had so many incredible guests. We'll do a little bit of a review of the week here shortly. And uh, rain, rain, and more rain. So what I have to say to that is rain, rain, go away. We can't take any more rain. And uh, we're, I'll, uh, I'll update you on the, the word from uh, our friends at the uh, Mississippi Coast Coliseum. Had a great conversation with Matt McDonald this week and this rain or shine event. But I'll bring Kyle in in just a few minutes, and we'll talk about that for, for a few minutes. I want to share something with you from my f- friend Susan Griggs. And, uh, you know, so many, so many people thinking about how we can bring ourselves together more and, and sort of manage the conflict that's around us that, that too often uh, people on social media are not sensitive to. But here's what she said. The worst thing you can say to someone is you're too sensitive. Because that's basically saying you feel things more deeply and fully than I do. And this inconveniences me because now... I have to be more mindful of my own actions. You're not too sensitive. The world is just more callous and stubborn. Sensitivity doesn't make you weak, and callousness doesn't make you strong. That's really, that's really amazing to think about. As we consider better understanding the people, the giving people who are around us. Hey, listen, uh, April is Sexual Assault and Awareness and Prevention Month. Um, you may not know this, but one in three women and one in six men have experienced sexual violence in their lifetime. That's according to the National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey. 90% of victims know the person who assaulted them, and that's according to the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. So this is a big challenge in our world today, and you know if you're a regular listener to Kosia, I talk a lot about sexual traffic—excuse uh, me, human trafficking— and um, we're really focused. You know, most people aren't aware that if you look at uh, the kind of sexual harassment that happens around us here in coastal Mississippi, often there's a family member involved in putting them out there in this, this sort of terrible, terrible situation. And uh, we're going to continue to focus on it with, with leaders across the state because it's um, one of the real challenges we have in the community. We originally scheduled to have Desiree Maybe, who's the sexual assault and prevention coordinator at the Naval Construction Battalion Center. Uh, that is, of course, the CB base. And Brian Lamar, a great friend of, of Coach View, who is, um, who is the public affairs manager there at the CB base. We was originally scheduled to have them on, but they had some, some technological issues, and we're going to reschedule them for next week. But since it's, uh, since it's an important focus, this uh, notion of April being the uh, sexual harassment, uh, sexual assault awareness and prevention month, uh, I still wanted to, to talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, let me bring Kyle into the conversation for just a second. Uh, Kyle is the producer of this show. He's a, a jack of all trades. He, I said, when we, when we joined in, I said, Kyle, what are you doing at the studio? He was at the studio yesterday because we had 
a live show from the Million Dollar Job Fair, which was incredibly successful, I might add. Lots of jobs of, of all stripe available. And uh, But he's in the studio again today, and I said, what are you doing in the studio? So what, what are you doing in the studio, Kyle? Well, I was at a transmitter site at 6 o'clock this morning, and I just come straight here. I still don't have the Internet at my house sorted out. It's kind of spotty at best. So the only way to do this reliably was to just come back here. And um, I wasn't planning on doing that. I wasn't planning on being in public, if you will, uh, for appearance's sake. I'm not much of a vain person, but, you know, when it comes to uh, showing up at the office, I don't like just showing up in a raggedy T-shirt that apparently I've got all kinds of dirt and grime and um, whatever. I'm wet still from uh, playing around in the rain and you know, the only thing that's dry is my feet, and I really thought my feet were going to be the first things to get wet, but apparently the old Wolverine boots held up. Well, good for you. Good for you. Hey, look, I think people are interested. You know, this is a this is a conglomerate of radio stations. It takes a lot of work by the team to keep this thing moving. And, you know, the amount of rain and especially thunderstorms. I mean, l- l- last night, I don't remember, I think maybe uh, 3 o'clock or so when the first kind of wave came through, maybe it was a little bit earlier than that. Um, I've, you know, again, what's been really interesting about these storms coming through is not just the amount of consistent rain, but the amount of thunder and lightning, um, and that plays havoc on a, on a radio station, doesn't it? It really does. You know, I think my text message alarm started going off at four o'clock this morning and I knew it was going to happen. Um, driving back from New Orleans last night, I think we, maybe topped out at 30 coming across the Pontchartrain Bridge. It was really rough coming over there. Lightning hitting everywhere. It was really spooky looking. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, we have Jeff Duncan from The Athletic coming in on the next segment, and uh, I'll keep you in the loop for that conversation because Kyle was uh, doing some uh, sort of uh, basically training because he's going to be doing some music for the for the Pelicans games now, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that with Jeff in just a second. Kyle, I wanted you to know something. I posted... We had a great conversation this week with uh, the executive director of Wildlife Mississippi, James Cummins, and we talked about the wildlife conservation, or excuse me, the conservation trust fund bill that was passed by the House 117 to 2 and uh, was essentially killed by the lieutenant governor. You know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the lieutenant governor. I just, 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 just significantly disagree with him on <laughs> this one. I really do. But uh, when I put when I posted this on my personal Facebook page and said the governor killed the bill, I get immediately a note from Facebook who says I violated their community standards. You know, I, I you know by using the word killed. You know, I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, they, see what it is again. These these this is artificial intelligence. They're looking for certain kind of words and situations, and you know they they haven't they haven't. Uh, ramped up the kind of staff that it takes to be able to monitor the kind of the, the, the number of posts that they're getting and see that's that's actually contrary to their business model to have to ramp up to to be responsible for the content so they have computers doing it did, and did you, um, ask, uh, you could change the phrasing to squeeze the life from <laughs> well, I, actually it's interesting i'm not changing anything because there was nothing wrong with my posts zero they, you know, I got it this morning and people were reacting to the post. So obviously they, they must've seen my, my reaction to it, you know, Facebook, cause you have to go in and you have to, you have to answer certain questions and then they take it under advisement. But the post was back up this morning, but 
I don't know. Facebook has got a lot more control over things than, than I like. I know that's been one of the interesting things about you and I working together in the social media realm is that, you know, people, what's, what's interesting, even though, uh, as super talk, when you would look at the combined number of people who follow super talk channels, it's well over 50,000. But the problem is if you follow the super talk channels of super talk, Mississippi directly, that doesn't mean that you're going to get the the show or the post that we put out there. Unfortunately, it doesn't mean that. And what they try to do is say, if you, if you want people to see these posts, even though these are people who are following you, you got to pay. They want you to pay. Uh, they want you to boost posts so that more people can have access to it. They are really controlling too much. It's a real shame. And the more I learn about what Facebook does and how they do it, it's uh, it's very, very, very con- concerning. Any final thought on that fa- uh, before we talk about rain in the Coliseum? Uh, you know, the whole Facebook and all of the social media outlets that say they're not news information folks and then hide behind those protections, It, I, I think they have, they need more oversight really yeah they need to own up to what they really are and you know if they're going to be censoring what people are saying then they have to be um held accountable for like every other organization well you know i've read a lot about this and uh section 230 is essentially means that you have legal liability for content and when section two, when they, when, when it was, uh, when they were allowed these, these big tech companies back in the day, they didn't, when they were allowed to not have, uh, uh, excuse me, to, to have section two thirty protection, which means they don't have legal liability for content. Uh, you know, they didn't envision at the time that they would become what they are today. These incredible content engines that have essentially put newspapers out of business for the most yeah. part. It's just incredible what's happened there. And, um, so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's something that really concerns me. I talk about it a lot, you know, Elon Musk said, and I, I, I pay a lot of attention to him cause he's a really smart guy. He said, if you have an FAA that manages the skies of America, imagine the world without the, the FAA, you know, imagine how unsafe that would be. He thinks there needs to be an FAA or artificial intelligence, the kind of artificial intelligence that Facebook is using to collect our data that so dangerous what's happening there and i agree with him you know so i i just think that we don't have enough you know we don't have leaders in washington today that are really focused on solving problems you know the political divide too often defines the conversation and that it's we're just not in a good place um i agree we got one minute left they want to show the clock. Good, good. good. Uh, hey, listen, uh, Matt McDonald told us this week he's a terrific leader of the Coliseum. Rain or shine, this thing goes on. They'll bring the axe inside. Uh, so if you've got a ticket to any of the incredible uh, entertainment that's going to be at the Coliseum uh, over the weekend, you just go ahead and go because they're going to they're going to be you know adopting their backup plans and accommodating everyone. So it's going to be terrific. Hey, when we come back, we're going to have a Jeff Duncan from the Athletic join us, and we'll find out the latest on the Saints and and uh, the Pelicans and anything else that might be on your mind. We'll see you after this. Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. 
This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I enjoyed my conversation with Kyle as we uh, kind of looked at things that are on our mind these days. Hey, before we get to Jeff Duncan, I just wanted to mention there's a terrific story in AL.com. Uh, this is the company that it, that is part of a company that I was involved in when I was over in Alabama. And um, what the story is about is about the process that Alabama is going through to potentially approve lottery and casinos. Um, I was involved in sort of, I don't know, I, I would say opposing a lot of the state's approaches to casino gaming when I was there back in 2010, 2009 uh, timeframe. And, um, but it's, you know, they're slowly but surely sort of getting their act together. So the Alabama Senate has now passed a vote uh, uh, that would enable lotteries and casinos. And now it goes over to the House. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens next. But essentially, what will happen is that they approve it, then it will go to uh, a ballot in, in the November tw- 2022 general election. And here is what the bill, according to AL.com, this is what the bill says. Four of the casinos will be at the state's uh, Greyhound tracks in Birmingham, Mobile, Greene County, and Macon County. One would be in Houston County at the crossing at Big Creek Bingo Hall. And the sixth would be in either DeKalb or Jackson counties in Northeast Alabama. The bill would create an Alabama uh, gaming commission that would issue license for the casinos through a competitive bidding process. But the current operators in Birmingham, Mobile, Greene County, and Houston County, and Macon County, would have the right to make a final bid exceeding the higher bidder. For the casino in DeKalb or Jackson County, the Porch uh, Band of Creek Indians would have the right to make the final bid. Now, they're the ones who run casinos over there today. But uh, obviously, this would have an impact on coastal Mississippi. So this is something we're going to watch closely. I don't have a sense. I haven't seen any surveys recently. I'll try, I'll try to find one or two that we can look at as, you know, what happens when this turns over to the voters? You know, will they vote it in? Will they not vote it in? Um, my sense is highly religious uh, community. My sense is the uh, Baptist community, the religious community will fight it greatly. Um, but I don't know. I don't know the state of affairs there these days. So I'll, I'll try to get back up to speed on that. But something to watch, something to watch. Will Alabama pass a lottery and casinos. We shall see. Now let's turn to our friend uh, from The Athletic, uh, Jeff Duncan, great friend of Coast Views on with us weekly. Hey, Jeff, have you ever seen so much rain? Ricky, it's unbelievable. Uh, so let me just tell you a story real quick. I have planned a fishing trip with some buddies for over a year. We planned. Guys are flying in as we speak from all over the country. Uh, they've gotten hall passes from their significant others, uh, time off from their uh, child-rearing duties. We've all been anticipating this great weekend out in the marsh down in Golden Meadow, and we get torrential biblical rains. We haven't had anything like this. We've had maybe one day of this all year, right? And all of a right. sudden, three days in a row, right when our trip is upon us, it's just uh, kind of bewildered right now. Yeah, man, and dangerous weather, man, dangerous weather. Our, our, our thoughts and prayers are still with the men on the jack-up rig that they, you know, that search and rescue effort continues. And, you know, what a what a tragedy. I mean, this really rare load that developed on that front and, you know, what it what it meant for especially the, the oil um, and I would say shrimping community 
out of uh, areas like um, um, you know southern southern Louisiana, especially Fort Fort Pouchon and places like that. It's a scary situation, man. Watching that thing unfold, it was literally a tropical storm, an unexpected tropical storm, is what it was. No, yeah. yeah, no, and then we've had two days of heavy. I, I was out running errands this morning, and there's street flooding all over New Orleans. Uh, it's just been relentless. There's been no break. I just, I really haven't seen anything like this uh, in a, in a while. Uh, yeah. it sounds like it's gonna, you know, the worst of it's behind us. Thank goodness. So. Yeah. Uh, let's hope that uh, everybody stays safe and sound and we can kind of get through this. How's the power situation been? Uh, you and I have talked about this before, but my time in New Orleans remind, you know, you know, helped me learn for, firsthand how sensitive the power grids are in New Orleans to situations like this. What, what's the latest on that? Yeah, we haven't had any issues in Uptown, uh, and I haven't uh, spoken to anybody that's had any issues. I just know that uh, this amount of rain stresses every system in the grid. And uh, it sounds like the pumping stations have actually been doing a good job, uh, but they're taxed because yeah. uh, those things, as we know, are centuries old. They are. So uh, let's move to the Saints. If you go, to, if you go to either the Athletic or any of the the media that are covering the Saints these days, what you see is we're in mock draft territory. Everybody's got an opinion. They really do. So um, you know, what's your latest thinking on how this is going to unfold? Uh, look, it, when you pick 28th in the first round, you're at the bottom of every draft uh, round, I should say. Nobody knows. The Saints don't know. That, that's what's so fun about it. Uh, it it's total chaos. <laughs> one, all it takes is one team to do something nobody planned, make one trade, and and everything is altered. All the plans go out the window and the Saints at 28, I think, are doing their due diligence. They're having all their personnel meetings, trying to be prepared for every possible scenario, but they don't even know. No one really knows what's going to happen at doing you're that low in the draft. The one thing I would say, Ricky, is they have now have eight draft picks, so they have enough ammo to kind of move around if they want to do that and make a trade and, and get a player that they really want if he starts falling to them at number 28. They've done that historically. Wouldn't surprise me to see them do it again, but I would say one caveat, and that is this is different this year than past years. Last year, if you remember, I think they ended up using four draft picks. It was quality over quantity because the roster was so stacked. There really was no reason to try and get a bunch of rookies. They weren't going to make the team, so they they went for the quality over quantity. I think it's the exact opposite this year. You're going to have a lot of rookies make the Saints team because of the offseason purge to the, to the um, roster, so many players had to be let go, so many veteran players that a lot of these rookies are going to make the team. So they may go in the opposite direction of trying to get as many young players as they can on this roster. Not only do they need an influx of young talent, but they also need cheap labor, if you will. Uh, these players are all be on the rookie contracts, and they need that because they're getting ready to sign Ryan Ramchek to a long-term deal. We know they need to try and sign Marshawn Lattimore. They've already got Mike Thomas under contract, uh, Taron Armstead, Alvin Kamara. I can go down the list. They're going to have a very top-heavy roster with some big numbers, big-ticket contracts. They need a lot of guys on rookie deals. And it, hey, by the way, I wonder, we're going to talk about the the kind of the number of combinations that can, can occur by the time you get to number twenty-eight. We'll come back to that in a second. But you mentioned Lattimore. Anything new on that front? No, it's absolutely been all quiet on that front. I don't think we're going to hear anything, to be honest with you. 
uh, for some time. I'm sure that the NFL and the Saints are doing their own investigations, but uh, as far as we know, everything's the same as it was before. Hey, listen, in case people had just missed that, just missed it, you know, they're asleep at the wheel. I noticed that people aren't paying attention so much to the Saints this time of year. Remind them what happened. Well, there was a traffic stop, and he was caught with a uh, weapon that was st- stolen. And, of course, Lattimore's uh, attorney represents him has said that he was not aware uh, that the weapon was uh, a stolen property, but that is a felony offense. And uh, so it's very serious. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen, if the charges will eventually be dropped or not. But I think Marshawn Lattimore is facing some type of discipline from the league, regardless of what happens uh, under the personal conduct policy. He could lose any, anywhere from two to four games uh, suspension, depending on how this plays out. So what's interesting about these combinations, if you know math, and that's why, you know, by the, if you look at the, at the, you know, the mock drafts related to the Saints when you get down to number 28, wow, the, the, different, the number of different combinations is literally limitless. I mean, it literally is limitless. That's why you're seeing so many different, you know, gyrations as it relates to. The only thing that's for sure is number one. Number two, you know, just about for sure. <clears throat> Number three, it starts to, you know, there's a lot of combinations based on who gets picked. Number four, even more combinations. By the time you get to 28 and you add in all these trading up and down and moving around, it's impossible to really know how this is going to play out, isn't it? Right. And the Saints don't know. They'll try to have a best guess as possible. But like I said, all it takes is one curveball and you can rest assured there's going to be more than one when you're that low in the draft. So it, it it's, Really, the mock draft of a 28 spot is throwing, you might as well throw a, a dart against a board. You know, it's, it's the Saints don't even know who's going to be available there. What they will do, though, is they will have certain players targeted that they want, uh, that they feel like are graded high. And if they start falling to the middle of the first round or down the 20s, they may decide, hey, this guy's in our top 15 players in the whole draft. And here he is at number 23. Let's go get him. We think he's that good. So, oh, pardon me for a second. Yeah, no, no problem at all. This is Jeff Duncan from The Athletic. We're going to continue to have this conversation, and uh, we'll talk about the Pelicans and some information about Miss Benson's wealth came out recently. That'll be interesting to kind of explore for a second. But when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coach Rio. Jeff Duncan with us. And uh, we always enjoy visiting with Jeff from The Athletic. He's a columnist there. He's a Saints expert. He wrote the definitive book on the Drew Brees, Sean Payton era. 
Uh, he's covered the Saints longer than anyone else on earth. He's, you know, he follows the Pelicans. He's just a smart guy. A lot of fun is to, to talk to him. Hey, you know, before we get back on the Saints for a second, I was so interested in reading. And, and by the way, you have so much insight into this, and I'll explain why in a second. But Jeff, uh, Jeff's just sort of an expert on this part of the conversation. But, but Miss Benson's wealth continues to go up. And uh, you covered, you know, and you and I have talked about this before, but as Tom Benson was, you know, getting on up there in age and it was clear that he was d- diminishing, he put some things in place that took some family members out of the trust. And it was a very contentious situation. And ultimately, they won, a, you know, Miss Benson won in court, or Tom Benson won in uh, court. So essentially, what that meant is that when Tom died, Miss Benson uh, basically has c- total control now. And uh, you're, you've uh, you've you've really covered that from the very beginning, haven't you, Jeff? Well, yeah, and Ricky, I think um, she's done a great job as a steward of the organization. Uh, it's really been a seamless transition from when Tom Benson passed away a few years ago, and her taking control of the teams, uh, and I think doing a really terrific job of guiding them uh, in this pandemic situation. She spent a lot of money. To support the team, the the Saints uh, basically had two whole floors of hotels rented out to ensure the safety of the staff and the, the players and coaches. Uh, she's been really a godsend for the organizations. And the thing I like best about Gail Benson um, in dealing with her is she understands that she is really just a steward for the Gulf Coast, the Gulf South, Louisiana, New Orleans. Uh, that this team is really part of the community and part of the public and that she is just a franchisee and runs the team and is a steward for everyone else. And I think that's a great way of looking at it. It's, it's not all about her. She understands her role. And I think it's really refreshing. It is refreshing. Um, you know, she's also, she's, she's a good business person, but she's got, there's a gentleness about her. I know you've been around her a bunch. I've had the opportunity to, to meet with her and Tom Benson before as well. And uh, what struck me about Tom and then obviously, you know, just just because they were in they were they were true partners in their in their work, whether it was the Saints or whether it was uh, in his various business interests or whether it was in the community. So they were in lockstep together. But they're 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 incredible focus on playing a role to help in the community. I mean, and they put their money where their mouth is as it relates to that, haven't they? Yeah, that's a great observation. I think what she has done is uh, made them, uh, I think, very viable corporate citizens, uh, you know, understands their role in the community. They they get a lot of public support through taxpayer dollars uh, at the stadium, and they know that. And yet they give it back, though. They've seeded a lot of businesses. Uh, the one that comes to mind right away is Dixie Brewery over now, Foberg Brewery over in New Orleans East, you know, creating jobs. Uh, that is giving back to the community, not only philanthropically, but also, I think, economic development. And, uh, you know, the New Orleans Saints play a huge role in this community. We don't have a Fortune 500 company in New Orleans, but they're as close as you can get to one just because of the, the everything they bring in to the equation as far as image and uh, perception uh, of the of the area. I mean, they really yeah. are like, Fortune 500. Yeah, I think about their contributions to the cancer center at Ochsner. I think about their contributions to, the, you know, the Catholic Church. I think about their contributions to education. 
uh, just incredible. But boy, you know, the, the, the wealth, the wealthy get wealthier, especially in the NFL world. Isn't that true? Yeah. And, and that's, that's a tribute to, I know Roger Goodell is not a very popular commissioner uh, for a lot of fans, but he's popular with the ownership because he's guided this uh, franchise through this unprecedented pandemic and cre- continued to increase revenue somehow. They, now they took uh, a little bit of a flat line last year, but the overall value of the NFL and all the 32 teams is continued to increase. And that's uh, really incredible considering uh, the, the revenue hit that they took last season without fans in attendance. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, you know, we're fortunate. We're fortunate that while there's a lot of changes happening within the Saints, as far as the team is concerned, the leadership of the Saints has been solidly in place. You know, you think about Dean and his great leadership for the sort of the business and overall, and Mickey as a general manager, and Sean and his work and their great team. You know, they, they lost some real superstars to others, which is, that's the way it works in the NFL. You know, you, you bring them up. They get great at what they do. They have other opportunities, and uh, they become general managers, or they you know become scouting experts for other teams. That's the way it works. But we're really lucky, though, that just this the symbiotic and I, I think powerful relationship that exists between the ownership and especially the big three within the Saints organization. It's just an incredible situation, isn't it? Yeah, and and I would say the Saints have become a model franchise for all small market teams in the NFL. Uh, they are in the top. I think it's 11th right now. They're ranked 11th in the league in operating income. Uh, that's basically revenue and profit. Uh, that's incredible when you consider the New Orleans market is the second smallest and, and poorest of the 32 NFL markets. Yet, yet they're punching way above their weight. They're up in top, top 12 in terms of operating income that comes in here. And that's a tribute to the, to the front office and, and to the staff in the New Orleans Saints organization that they're able to be that successful in a market against rivals that are two, three times as large. Unbelievable success story. And, you know, as you pointed out, just because they're making a lot of changes on the team, it doesn't mean they're not going to be a great team. And it doesn't mean they're not going to be uh, a playoff contender. They very well may be because the, the, the nucleus of the team is still very much intact. And if we can have great play from the quarterback position, we got to play. We got to. We got another chance to go on a run, don't we, Jeff? Well, I think they don't even need great play, Ricky. I think they just need solid play. I mean, this team's good enough in the running game, the offensive line. Mike Thomas should be healthy this year. Uh, the defense uh, certainly improved, and they still have. I brought this up before. There's still eight players on this roster that have made the Pro Bowl or All Pro in their careers. I mean, that's that's a lot of talent, elite talent on this roster. So they just. They just need quarterback play like we saw last year from Taysom Hill when he came in uh, and not make mistakes and take care of the ball and convert when you get chances to score. And I think both Winston and and Taysom Hill can do that. Well, what's cool about it, and for people who listen to the show on a regular basis, uh, they already know this, but if you're listening to this for the first time, one of the interesting opportunities the Saints have with Drew Brees' retirement is to focus on speeding up the game. You're going downhill and going down the field because the reality is, whether it's Taysom Hill or um, my mind went totally blank. Oh, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, thank you. <laughs> that, that that happens from time to time. Um, 
But Jason, I mean, uh, Taysom Hill has, uh, has got a hell of an arm. And, uh, I mean, they both have a hell of an arm. So they, there's a real opportunity now for them to uh, get some speed on the outside and take it downfield, isn't there? Well, I think what's important in this draft coming up, and I'm going to write this column for the Athletics soon, is don't think of players, think of traits in this draft. The Saints need to add some explosive offensive playmaking ability in some form or fashion to the offense. Now, whether that's a receiver, a tight end, a running back, I don't know, probably a receiver, but they need to start looking a little more like the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and they now have a quarterback, whoever wins the job, that's going to be capable of stretching the field. But I think they also need a little more of, uh, you know, playmaking ability on jet sweeps, uh, screen passes, things like that. They need uh, a Tyreek Hill type of player. And in this draft, Ricky, there's a bunch of those kind of guys because we've seen the proliferation of the spread offense in college football. There's a lot of these 5'9", 5'10", receivers uh, that can scoot. And I think the Saints are going to get one of those in the first couple rounds. That, that will be so much fun. That would be so much fun. Now, coming back to Jameis for a second, he has a cannon, doesn't he? Yeah, one of the strongest arms the Saints have had, I think, a quarterback in a long time. And that's never been the question with him. Arm strength, arm talent, make every throw in the book. It's the decision-making. It, it's, it's, you know, those kind of back-breaking plays when the pressure's on, he's, he's fallen victim to that. Can he improve in that area in this quarterback-friendly offense with a quarterback coach like Sean Payton, an offensive genius? We're going to find out. It's going to be fascinating to watch. And he's going to have to earn the job because Sean Payton has said it is a open competition. He's not handing the job to Jameis Winston. So training camp is going to be fascinating this year. We'll come back in the next segment and talk about the Pelicans. But anything else about the Saints that's, uh, that's worth noting? No, I would say this. I've got a story coming out real quick um, that came out this morning. You remember talking about the Field of Dreams project at Carver. That's back in the mix, and I think the Saints are going to be a big uh, proponent for that actually coming to reality. Yeah, I saw that that was being talked about again. That's terrific. We Actually, we talked about that on the on a uh, upcoming show because it has really important community ramifications, and it would be a good conversation to have. Hey, when we come back with Jeff Duncan from The Athletic, we will continue the conversation and talk about the Pelicans. We'll see you after this. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coach View. We have Jeff Duncan with us from The Athletic, and uh, we're going to bring Kyle into the conversation as well. So, Kyle, you there, buddy? There he is. There he is. I'm Come here. There you go. Had to, had to turn that mic on. Kyle was at the uh, game last night, and um, fortunately, the, the, the uh, Pelicans lost against the Knicks after a, you know, basically a three-game winning streak. Uh, Kyle, what was it like being at the game last night? That game goes by so much faster when you're there than 
you know, watching it on TV, that's what I forgot about the NBA. I the fast-paced game, the I don't want to get, you know, put in the same Facebook jail as you, but the referees killed us last night. Yeah. <laughs> there was some bad calls. They missed a clear and outright three-pointer. There was clearly clear daylight. And the referees were like, nope, it's got to come from the ref in New York or wherever. It's out of our hands. And, you know, not that the one point would have done any different, but there was fouls left and right that didn't get called our way. Well, you, you, I do the, the, you do the music for the, for the, uh, Saints d- during the Saints games at the Superdung. And now you're actually going to be doing some fill in during Pelicans games. That's going to be a lot of fun, huh, buddy? Yeah. Their music guy has, uh, got, uh, prior commitment for the game on the 24th. And, um, so, you know, it's a, there's a lot of intermingling between, uh, football and basketball operations. And my boss called and asked if I could come and yeah. sit in for a game. So I went over and did the training for uh, last night and then I'm going over for another game next week, I guess, Tuesday. And then Saturday I'm on my own. That's part of the synergy of having, you know, this is a, this is one of the big experiments in professional sports, having two professional football, a football team and a basketball team owned by the same ownership groups. An interesting experiment, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah. And I tell you, it's, um, it's definitely become one of the things to do now with Zion Williamson here. I mean, Zion Williamson has kind of changed the landscape for the Pelicans. I mean, he's a rising superstar and people will come out and pay just to see this young kid play because of what he's doing so far. We forget he's only played basically one season in the NBA. He's 20 years old. Uh, I think there's really a lot of excitement about his future and, and what he's going to do for this organization. Well, you mentioned they didn't have to win that game. There was a three-game winning streak. Uh, what's what's your thoughts on the on the sort of the playoff situation now? Well, look, they're only two games out of the playoff hunt. This year, there's expanded playoffs. There's ten teams from each conference make it. Right now, the Pelicans are eleventh, so they're right on the outside looking in. But they're two games back, and they certainly can make that up. There's seventeen games left to play. Plenty of time put it together, but they got to get healthy again. I mean, they're still missing Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. That's three of their top eight players, and they've been without them now for the last uh, couple of uh, games, and and it showed, I think, in that Knicks game the other night. They, their depth was a weakness coming into the season. We knew they couldn't endure too many injuries, and it's unfortunately hit them all at one time here uh, in the last week or so. So it is, it is, boy, I tell you what, they have really done a good job, haven't they? They've really done a good job of correcting their defense issues and really staying very aggressive on offense. And if they can get those players back, they've really positioned themselves well. I hope they're not one and done. A lot of people think they will be one and done in the playoffs, but do you think they have a chance if they could get healthy? Well, I don't think they're going to go far, but I think the experience of getting into the playoffs would be critical for a young team getting to play in those big games. Uh, but I don't think this team is deep enough or talented enough to make a deep run. But they've proven, Ricky, that I mean, they've beaten the Utah Jazz this year. They've beaten the 76ers. They've beaten some of the best teams in the league. They can play with anybody. No one's going to want to play the Pelicans in a series because they have elite talent. It's just young talent. And right now, some of it's injured. Well, if they can hold this together, let's say they get into the playoffs, or maybe they don't get in the playoffs. The the fact of this this the you know coming together as a team 
getting that experience and then, and then keeping the team together, maybe making some, some additional, uh, you know, add-ons to, to give them the depth that they need. They could be a dangerous team in the, in, even next year, couldn't they? Well, I think next year they're going to be extremely dangerous because I think they'll have another offseason of tinkering with the roster. They've got a lot of draft picks at their disposal. David Griffin's done a terrific job of kind of building an arsenal of assets that they can now use to go out and add to the roster. Uh, but they've got the most important thing, and that is they've got a franchise player to build around. And Brandon Ingram's an ideal number two player. So they've got the hardest pieces of the puzzle already in, in, in tow. Now they just need to add role players around them, add some shooters. And I think they discovered this year they can put the ball in Zion Williamson's hands, and he is a force of nature. The league doesn't know what to do with him because they've never seen a player this size with that kind of skill and that kind of explosiveness. Uh, and the way the league is officiated these days, it really plays into his hands. because no one can hand check. You can't block him. Uh, and so he's become a really a dominant player, and I think the future is really bright. Kyle's right, man. The game's moving fast, isn't it? It's moving fast. Yeah, it's amazing how much different it is and also amazing just the skill level of these guys. You've got seven footers that can hit three pointers now. Everyone can shoot just about. That's that's so incredible. You know, again, I'm not a big NBA follower, but you you get more interested when you have uh, someone like Zion playing in New Orleans and you you can't help but pay more attention. Of course, I get to do Kosu and visit with you and You've educated me, and it's, it's a lot of fun to kind of pay attention. Anyway, Jeff, thank you very much. We'll see you next week, buddy. Thanks, Ricky. Have a great day. This has been Jeff Duncan from The Athletic, and uh, I hope you have a great weekend. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.